thank you for your life. I wish I could see the beginning and the end like the Lord. And it's just just a blessing to um, see how faithful he is from generation to generation. Um, what a blessing. What a blessing. I am um, the visiting speaker today. <laughs> I haven't been here in so long. I hope they'll reinstate my membership at some point. So, A few weeks back, um, Greg gave a message out of Proverbs. Um, you know, Proverbs is that book that um, if we listen, <laughs> will teach us how to live. Um, and the person that we need to listen to is wisdom. Um, because if we don't, um, if you can stand what a, a pun, Randy would, would make this. I had to think of him when I thought about it. But if you don't listen to wisdom... It's just a dead end. So um, we all want that. We all want wisdom. A healthy person does. But wisdom calls us to respond. Um, You know, the New Testament builds on this. uh, In John 14, um, Philip asked what the way is. How how can I follow you, Jesus, where you're going? And Jesus' response is, I'm the way, Philip. I'm the truth. I'm the way to life and life abundantly. Thank you so much. So, Father, we pray this morning that you teach us how to live. Help us to remember, first and foremost, Wisdom is to honor you, to revere you, to hold you up as the highest. And today I ask you to teach us through your spirit, not through me, but through your spirit, the the things we hear concerning why we live. And so we look to you, Father, in Jesus' name. How many like the story? Three people. That's great, because I'm not telling a story today. Stories are fun because you can enjoy and you get into it. So today's story is when you're going to have to imagine there's a story in it. Because I'm just going to talk about the characters of the story today. Um, One of them is really interesting, and one of them is extremely complicated. The first person... The story is about God. Um, He's very interesting. And the other character is you and me, which is very complicated. So try to understand the story that's in this. It's a story about a pattern, and it's a story about a purpose. So keep that in mind as I describe the characters to you uh, that are in this story. God and 
you and me. And we're going to do that through two questions because I know Crossway loves to help this man over here with questions. So I have two questions. Um, and let's see how well you do with these. Why is Jesus called Christ? How many people know the answer to that? Why is Jesus called Christ? I'll finish the whole question. Why is Jesus called Christ? That is anointed. So what's the answer to that? These are not brilliant answers that I came up with. These are answers that answered these questions about 475 years ago in a catechism. So um, we're going to look at the answers and then we're going to try to break them apart to understand what is, what is God saying about this character that the big story is about. The answer um, to why is Jesus called Christ, that is anointed, reads like this. Because he is ordained of God, the Father, and anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our prophet and teacher who has fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption and to be our high priest who by the one sacrifice of his body has redeemed us and makes us continual intercession with the Father for us. And also to be our eternal king who governs us by his word and spirit and who defends and preserves us in that salvation he has purchased for us. Now, is anybody ready to repeat that answer? It's, it's complicated. It's long. Um, but we're going to kind of take it apart and see who this character is out of this. Jesus is ordained and anointed. He's ordained by God and anointed by the Holy Spirit to be three things. Ordained of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit to be a prophet, our only high priest, and our eternal king. Now, let's talk about what that involves, okay? Look, his will, just like Bill was sharing earlier, this story of redemption is the best story in the world. And <laughs> you have got to love it. The more you know about it, the more you're going to love it. And the more you know about God, and the more you know about yourself, the more you're going to love it. So, what the big story is God created us. And it didn't start over. More glory for God 
is shown in the redemption than just starting over. How about the next time it didn't work? I'll just start over again. No, this is the big story. Like Bill was saying, his desire is to redeem, buy back you and me. Now that's a big story. Because if he had just started over, you might not be you. You'd be a different sinner. So, he anointed him to be a prophet. What? What is that? One who speaks for God. And I guess maybe Jesus did that. He... Um, Thing is really making it hard for me to see. Can I turn it down? Jesus has revealed the secret counsel of God. It was always hidden in the Old Testament, but when Jesus came. He began to reveal the secret counsel of God, which Paul then explained to us after three years of being with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. And so the secret counsel is the good news. But is it really good if you don't know the bad news? If you just tell somebody the good news and they don't really understand how bad the bad news is. The good news is not all that good. And so we inherently know that we don't live up to who we were made to be. We don't even live up to be who we want to be, much less who we've been made to be. And so the good news comes because we need somebody to show us how far we've fallen short of who he's made us to be. And so... That's what the prophet does. He speaks truth. He speaks truth about who God is, and he speaks truth about who you and I are. Um, all his words are true. The Bible says many, many places, verily, verily, truly, truly, truly I say unto you, um, Whenever you hear those words, they're the truest of the true. And so one of those is Jesus responded to Nicodemus. And what did he say? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, what? He cannot see what? Another person? The kingdom of God. Those are very, very true words if it says it's truly, truly. So, you think about that. Um, the, Jesus says himself, I only speak what the Father shows me. And I only do those things the Father asks me to do or tells me to do. And so, you know, I really love how committed you guys have committed yourself. You have said it. What? You have said it. 
we believe it. So we get to we get to practice that for the rest of our lives. You read the Bible, you read those words of Jesus. He has said it. Do we believe it? Do we really believe it? Because the first thing he says is repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, I'll try to heat you up here in just a little bit, okay? Um, So, what does repentance mean? It really means at the beginning at least to change your mind. And what's the proof of something if you've really changed your mind, if you really believe something? You must be changing your mind from something you thought to something else that's different from what you thought. That's what repentance is, the beginning part of it. So when Jesus says something and you say you believe it, if it doesn't match with how you live, something's not right there, you see. And so we believe it and then our life adjusts itself to what this new belief is. And that's what how how God asking us asking God to, t- to teach us how to live. How do we live? Well, read the Proverbs. Talk to Greg. <laughs> Listen to Bill and your staff. Um, so he's also been anointed to be our high priest. One who sacrificed his body to redeem us, to buy us back. That's what a priest does. A priest stands in the middle and appeals to God for the people that he represents. Um, And Jesus Christ was anointed for that more than anyone else. Ordained by God, you of the Trinity, you're the one that's going to go and buy my people back. And so that's what he has done for us. It says in um, Romans 5, 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. And lastly, he is ordained and anointed to be our eternal king who governs us by his word and spirit and who defends and preserves us in that salvation he has purchased for us. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. Um, so, and he's been a, appointed by God with authority to do those things. Um, so, we don't really use the word king as much as we use the word Lord because that's really our confession, isn't it? Voice quiet. I hope people are thinking and not sleeping. Amen. <laughs> Crossway parent, I guess. Yes, there you go. Um, so... What is our confession? If you confess with your mouth Jesus as 
Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you might be saved. What's, what's, what does it say? You will be saved. For with the heart you believe and that results in righteousness. Right standing with God. Right relationship with God comes out of believing from the heart. And with the mouth you confess resulting in what? Salvation. Salvation. Saved from what? The wrath of God. The punishment that you and I deserve but we've been redeemed from that by who? Jesus Christ. So, that's the introduction. That's the, that's the, the main character. Now, the second character is you and I. So why is Jesus called Christ that is anointed? Let's him in. Richard, open the door and, and let him come in. Why is Jesus called Christ? That is anointed. He's our prophet, priest, and king. Now the next question is really interesting. But why are you called a Christian? Why are you called a Christian? Well, you know, it's really two parts to the word, isn't it? Christ, anointed one, and this little suffix called I-A-N. And what does that denote? Does anybody know what I-N is? I didn't until about three weeks ago. It, it, um, it stands for one from, or one belonging to, one relating to, or like. It's a descriptor for like physician, politician, Magician, Christian. Christian is the one we're interested in today. You and I. Why are you called a Christian? Why are you called one anointed like Christ? Belonging to and anointed by Christ. Anointed means chosen by divine intervention. Chosen by divine intervention. I think it's John 15, 16. I know it's John 15, 16 because that's kind of my life verse. He tells his disciples, you did not choose me. I chose you. And it's true for you and I today. You didn't choose him. He chose you. And you remember that in your testimony. When you say you came to Jesus, you chose Jesus. No. He drew you and chose you and redeemed you. And he redeemed us in this crazy world we live in for such a time as this. We'll go back to a different year's theme. <laughs> so what's the answer? What's this long answer that goes to this one as well? 
Because I am a member of Christ by faith, and thus am partaker of his anointing. That's something to think about. That's the facts. Now, there's a purpose that follows that. It goes like this. That so I may confess his name, I may present myself a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him, and also that with a free and good conscience, I might fight against sin and Satan in this life. And three, afterwards, I reign with him eternally. I reign with him eternally over all creatures. There's a pattern here. There's the truth about the main character, God, and he sets a pattern for those that are his. And in some little bitty way, we have an anointing to walk in that pattern. Um, I mean, if you really look at this, um, we're to confess his name. We're to, we're to and, and everything that goes with his name, what all goes with his name? His character, his mission, his work, his love, all those things are part of his name. Most people are named, there's a meaning they're given that name for, you know. Um, and we all trust that we'll live that out. But when your name is Christian, Your name should reflect Christ in all that he is. We say, I identify with this person, Jesus Christ. How about this anointing? Have you ever really thought that you were anointed in Christ? Corinthians 1.21 says this, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You know, when I first read this thing of this is, this is who I am, I thought this, I thought, I can't do all that. I'm not able to do all that. You know, then I, then I think the Lord reminded me, that's true. You haven't done this far that you've gotten. And my brother, my other brother, our little baby brother, David, um, sent me something this week while we were up in the mountains. And so I'm going to just insert this right now. I was thinking this morning, you know, it's, it's a tall thing to talk about who we are in Christ, that we can do these things in an anointing, but we can't without grace. And so he sent me this. And so listen carefully, because if you're like me, you are struggling with the old man, believing you're the new man, can't understand why this one won't go away, and this one rise up and be forever who you are. To become a Christian is to be given a new nature. Well, we know that. And a new identity. You don't lose the old identity. How many agree with that? 
yet. You don't lose the old identity yet. We're still sinners. But you do receive a down payment on who you will be. There's hope in that for all of us. I think, Bill, you said something about when when we're disappointed and we sang about it. Hope. Hope in Jesus. Therefore, while it is vital to accept the identity as a sinner, it is not compre- it is not a comprehensive view of who you are. You must also live out a sure grasp of your identity as a child of God, freely given and personally transforming in His grace. These two identities must be held in a healthy tension and balance. It is only the person who is deeply aware of their sin. It is only the person who is deeply aware of their sin. Think about this. You've got to realize and be deeply aware of your sin because who gets excited about grace. The more you understand... And the more I understand how much of a sinner and how much I've been forgiven of, then you get excited about this unmerited favor that God has given us to call us to Himself. It is, it is only grace that can give you the courage to humbly face the enormity of your sin. That's the balance we have to live out in our lives. So as we understand what it means to be a Christian and all this answer says it encompasses, we need to understand the grace of God to do it. Okay. So to confess his name is, is the first thing. These are the purposes of why we live. I know that's one of the questions. Well, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Um, I think the older you get, you've either discovered it or you resigned yourself to be content with where God's got you. So learn this early in your in your life, in your walk with God, that um, these, these are your purposes and why you're called a Christian. Number one, to, to confess his name. And number two... That we might present ourselves a living sacrifice. Oh my goodness, sacrifice. <laughs> the sacrifices of the Old Testament, and you can talk to Mr. Exodus back there, um, Roger Banner, uh, can tell you all about the Old Testament sacrifices, but they were unblemished and pure. And so our sacrifice of thankfulness needs to not have any reserve in it. The more we understand what's been done for us in this whole redemption story, the more thankful we are and the more pure in heart we are of that. And it's not like we're thanking Him so we can get something. It's just totally towards Him. Does that make sense? A pure sacrifice. 
you know, and then he equips us to fight sin and the devil the rest of the time we're here on, on earth. Um, I'm going to skip through this because everybody's sleeping. Um, and the last thing is that we would reign with him. Do you realize that? You're going to be reigning over all the creatures with Christ. And we will have an anointing to do that. And you know what? That's why we need to practice how to live here so we know how to rule there. Get it right here and you'll be good at reigning and making reigning type decisions there under Him. Um, so the question behind the question that we sometimes ask um, about what's my purpose is really this. How do I express how God wants me to be? How do I express being a Christian? How do I express being Christ-like? We confess His Word. We point others to Christ. And we encourage them in their walk with Christ. And we live like we're supposed to so we will reign successfully with Christ. Speak His name. Pray for yourself and others and live in a way that you will reign righteously. Okay? Simple. If you want to look these two questions up where you can really read the answers, it's just Google the Heidelberg Catechism, questions 31 and 32. This is a very brief treatise on those two things, but uh, the more time you spend on them, the more you'll appreciate the story of Jesus Christ and His redemption, and the more you'll appreciate how you fit into that story. So God bless you as you run home and look these two questions up <laughs> and, and meditate on the answers. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much. So much first for Your great patience with us. Uh, Lord, let us learn so much about that in dealing with other people, with our own children. We just thank you, Father, that you open our eyes and our hearts. And Lord, we just ask today that that part that you want us to keep, you would plant deep within our heart and, and that it would continue to grow and make us who we ought to be. In Jesus' name, amen.